0: I really just want somebody who's going to aggressively fight for me in court. Is that too much to ask?
1: Filing an eviction should not be complicated. There's got to be an easier way. Nothing frustrates me more than having to wait for my attorney to call me back. I need them now. What I really need for my law firm is someone who can provide my staff training so we actually can stay out of trouble. When you have property management problems, we have your solutions. This is the Zona Law Group Podcast with the experienced attorneys from Zona Law. All right, welcome back to the Zona Law Podcast. I am here again with Matt Kogemeyer, one of the attorneys with Zona Law Pod- Thanks for having me. All right. We left off last week talking about coronavirus, and it seems like that's all we talk about anymore in the past couple of weeks. Is that right?
0: That's about all we talk about. And I have clients that say, gee, I would, would like to have a different question than coronavirus. But that seems to be the main topic these days. All right. So, of course, we're here today. Um, and the
1: question is, today's March 25th. Like our same thing that we said last week, everything is changing day-to-day,
0: minute-to-minute. So I guess what's the question from yesterday, what's the most recent change that we have? Most recent change is our executive order that was issued by Governor Doug Ducey yesterday regarding the processing of evictions and, and this we is can, what I can't
1: do. This is what I'm hearing where everyone's saying evictions are frozen or stayed or there's a moratorium.
0: Really, that's a misconception. Evictions are not stayed. Landlords are still free, in most cases, to file evictions. The difference now is the question is whether they can execute on the writ once the judgment is obtained. So if I may, the first process is to get the case into court, have a judge hear it, the judge would issue a judgment. That judgment has a writ date, which is typically five days after the judgment date. But according to the executive order by Governor Ducey, those writs will be basically stayed in certain cases for up to 120 days.
1: Okay, so the process can go forward up until the point, all the way up through the writ, right?
0: Right. The the landlord is still free to file it, but executing on the writ, which is the act of actually removal of the tenant from the property, is stayed. Outside of the coronavirus, I mean, do
1: most go all the way through to the process to go to the judgment? Well, you you do your five-day, file the lawsuit get to a judgment, and then to the writ. I mean, do all tenants go through that process on a regular basis?
0: No. In fact, a small percentage actually go to a writ. Uh, it's a small percentage of those that get a judgment against them, but most of the time they work it out. They'll find an alternate place to live voluntarily. Uh, in in, in the most situations, that writ is not being issued.
1: All right. So you'd agree then. My, my thought always is th- the eviction is filed or the 5 days served to get the process started to really motivate the tenant to pay the rent, Right.
0: Right. I mean it's it's putting, you know, the fire to their feet and making sure they do what they've promised to do as the landlord is doing what they've promised to do.
1: Yeah, cuz ultimately all of our clients want
0: the residents to stay.
1: They want to provide a good property for the residents and they just simply need the rent to be paid. This is just a mechanism to have that done. Exactly. So if the writ's not available though, you're still suggesting that clients landlords still file that f- five-day and follow the eviction as well?
0: I'm suggesting they send out the five-day notice and they process the case as they normally would absent some workout agreement with the resident. So it, right now, especially
1: given Governor Ducey's decision, are you suggesting that clients do, do partial payments or other things that they haven't in the past?
0: That's certainly an option at this point, and it's one I think is a business decision, but it's probably something they should be talking about and say, is it in our best interest and the resident's best interest to enter into some type of more flexible payment arrangement, uh, more so than what has been done in the past because of the unique circumstances.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I mean, for clients that we've talked to, we're saying even in the past where you don't want to deal with the partial payments, doing it now works, right? You want the tenant to stay for their safety, for your safety, and then obviously to, to get the rent paid. And even if you work with them where you haven't in the past, it gives the resident the ability to stay. So you extend out the time period of where you would work with them, But what's critical to me and every client we kind of go over with is you need that partial
0: payment agreement in writing. Absolutely. It has to be in writing. It has to be contemporaneous with any payment that's being made by the resident. And if you're going to work with the resident in accordance with Governor Ducey's executive order, the resident needs to ask for that in writing to say that they're affected in some manner as outlined by the executive order by the coronavirus. And they also need to provide some type of evidence which shows their financial hardship or other reason to be able to work with them in terms of, of basically the, the delay of the writ should they obtain a judgment.
1: Okay, so we're talking about two things. And so in the partial payment, they can elect whether or not they give that to everybody, correct? That's correct. But going back to Governor Ducey's executive order, who does that apply to? It's saying, again,
0: writs can't be issued or executed for 120 days. Does that apply to all residents? It does not apply. Well... That's a good question. Does it apply to all residents? Because the executive order is very broad. It may very well apply to everyone. There's an argument that can be made that they're affected by the coronavirus in some way, financially or otherwise, as outlined by the executive order. And if that's the case, then yes, it does apply to them. I would imagine there are some people that may have a hard time arguing it applies to them, but it's pretty broad. So you can pretty much Uh, figure that it's going to apply to most people.
1: All right. And so just so people are aware, what it applies to, of course, is somebody that actually has been quarantined because they've been diagnosed with coronavirus, somebody that uh, their doctors are suggesting they be quarantined because of symptoms, somebody else in the household has been diagnosed, or somebody that's been substantially financially impacted by as well. So you can imagine how broad that could potentially be, right?
0: Right. And those people that may have a slowdown in their work, may have been laid off or or uh, terminated in their job because of circumstances surrounding the coronavirus, all of those things apply. And So
1: are they required then to, how to, how does that come about? What are they required to do to the residents under the executive order?
0: If the residents want the landlord to work with them under those premises of the executive order, they need to ask for it in writing number one. And then they have to provide some type of written proof to show that they fall within the categories as outlined by Governor Ducey's executive order.
1: Okay, so then... You, if a landlord has a tenant that hasn't paid the rent, they've served them the five-day, they file the eviction, and then the tenant comes forth with documentation showing, hey, I've been negatively affected by coronavirus, theoretically the writ's not supposed to issue, correct?
0: That's correct. The constables, the sheriffs have been directed by this order not to execute on the writs.
1: Is there any timeline in the executive order as to when that actually has to be given to the landlord?
0: There is no guidance on that. We'd certainly like to have some more guidance and find out exactly what needs to be done and what timing, but the order does not provide for that at this point.
1: So you could see then it's very possible that a landlord, not knowing that this is going on for a resident, could serve the five-day, could file the eviction, could get a judgment, and then the constable shows up to do the writ, and right then and there the tenant shows papers saying that they've been quarantined or they're showing symptoms.
0: What's going to happen? I can imagine that while they're supposed to show some type of documentary evidence, some type something in writing for the landlord, I can imagine if a tenant just says it to a constable and says, I'm a victim, I'm, I've been affected by the coronavirus, it's probably going to stop. And that's probably all that's going to need to be done.
1: But the landlord at that point could then ask for that doc- document, correct?
0: The landlord could ask for it, and under certain circumstances, the landlord could still go back to the judge and say, Judge, this doesn't fit the executive order. We would like to have the writ executed.
1: That's a great idea. So are there any evictions that the executive order allows to continue and allows you to actually obtain the writ of restitution?
0: Well, certainly. If if there's what's called an immediate, someone has done a material or irreparable breach, they've committed some other breach under the lease, like material falsification of their lease. Those type of evictions are excluded under the executive order.
1: And health and safety, any non-compliances. Exactly.
0: What about uh, non-renewals? Non-renewals, if... uh, I would would imagine, because the order is so broad, that if you choose to non-renew someone and they show that they are somehow affected by the coronavirus, you could get the judgment, but you're not going to get the writ.
1: Yeah, And, and that's how I read it as well. It's really the only exceptions are basically the writ is not going to be executed on any eviction in my opinion unless it's an immediate or unless it's a non-compliance because it falls under the different subsection of, in the act um, now going back i think there's a lot been a lot of talk in news recently about forbearance agreements with the multifamily operators actually going to freddie and fanny and themselves pushing out mortgage payments so how does how does that apply here or how does that affect what landlords can do
0: if the landlord has obtained a forbearance agreement from Uh, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, Um, I would think, and obviously this is going to have, you're going to have to look at the forbearance agreement and what they can and cannot do and how specific that is. The landlord may be prohibited from proceeding against a tenant in an eviction action for non-payment of rent because they're getting the benefit of that forbearance agreement and under the federal mandates, uh, I think they may very well be precluded from evicting that resident.
1: Yeah. And that's how I read it as well. We don't have enough information yet, but I think the issue is it says you're not allowed to do evictions, but Freddie and Fannie haven't made it clear of whether that's evictions across the board or just people that are affected by COVID, or you can go to a judgment, but you can't get the writ. But if you know that you work for a company that's open to the idea of doing forbearance, and they are doing that, you better assure that you know that on property, because you don't want to go through that process if that's going to somehow affect the owner and the forbearance and the rights that they have under their
0: mortgage, because...
1: That could be a a big mistake from a property owner.
0: Absolutely. You're, You're spot on. There needs to be a lot of information obtained. Those documents need to be reviewed. You need to get a good legal opinion as to whether you can or cannot go forward with those evictions. And in balance, is it worth doing a forbearance agreement? It may very well be a good idea, but you don't know until you look at all of the details and then look at the expectations and talk to the people.
1: Yeah, and I think that's critical for me right now is, as I'm advising the clients across the board is we are, like we said last week, in an unprecedented time. I mean, I've never seen anything like this before and hopefully we'll never see anything like it again. I think for managers, everything has to be on the table in terms of what they're willing to do to legally that they can do. Like I strongly push that they should work with the residents as much as possible. If a resident doesn't pay on the first, you know, serve your five days, you always would, but try and communicate with the resident try to get the resident to come in, to do a partial payment agreement, work out whatever you can so they can stay in that property. If that doesn't work though, you're going to have to go towards to doing the eviction, to filing it. Because that's the motivation to me always is the resident doesn't want a judgment on their credit. Even if they are going to, you're not gonna be able to do the writ because of COVID. If you go to the judgment, you have that leverage to talk to them and say, look, we can avoid the judgment if you move out. Or if you get a judgment, we can always vacate it so we can work with them as well but you really want to be in communication as much as possible with your residents because nobody wants to be going through this.
0: You're right. Communication is key. I believe that most landlords are going to want to work with residents who are acting in good faith. And we are also going to have those residents who are attempting to take advantage of the situation. They can pay, but won't, or perhaps they have no reason to be affected by the coronavirus. They have no basis to claim that, but they will do it anyway in, in hopes that they can avoid payment of rent. That's going to happen, unfortunately, in, in all of these circumstances. People take advantage of the, of the situation. But uh, if they stay in communication, if they show the landlord that they're acting in good faith, that they give them the appropriate documentation necessary, uh, landlords are going to be willing to work with those people. However, those people that do not communicate, even if they're having difficulties, the landlord has no way of knowing that. So they're going to proceed forward, with the eviction action and perhaps at some point ask for a writ to be issued. And, you know, that's not going to be good for the resident nor is it going to be good for the landlord.
1: Yeah. And along those lines, I've seen clients already discuss like waiving late fees, not charging them for that time, as long as the resident comes with the rent itself. And that's where the communication is key so that the resident knows and the manager knows really where they're going. Um, But they really do have to start the process and follow it through. I think the narrative that I'm hearing in the news of evictions are stopped, that Residents are not going to pay the rent is not where we should be going with this. It is the belief that residents that don't want judgments of their credit, that are good residents that do want to pay their rent that should. They may just need help working with their managers. Right. But again, like you mentioned, there's a couple of people that probably will abuse the system, and we're going to have to work through those.
0: Well, I've had clients call me already and say that they've had a, has residents that call asking if they can just waive their rent for April and May and just forget about it. And the executive order specifically says none of the obligations are waived or forgiven, basically. They're just kind of deferred. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to think that, oh, now I can't be evicted for any reason. I'm, I'm safe not paying my rent, so I won't do it. So it can be misunderstood, but people need to realize they're still obligated to perform under the terms of their lease. This may give those honest renters a short reprieve, which... Is needed during this time we're all in a very strange situation as you mentioned it's nothing we've ever faced before
1: yeah and, and as we can say we'll follow this up probably in the next couple week or two as things are changing again and really see how it's playing out on property um, there will be abuses but we're really hoping if managers are working with their residents filing the cases where they need to serving the notice doing the partial payment that it, it'll work out all right for managers and we'll get through this together
0: as fast as things are moving we might be back tomorrow <laughs>
1: And, again, we'll see you on the next Zone of Law podcast. And I'm Mark Zinman, again, Mac with Matt Kogemeyer.